0: Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador.
1: I'm gonna have to kick you, you know what, today.
0: We're heading inside the tent with an injury update from the Las Vegas Raiders. That is right. And when we hear that sound, we know we go out to the Raider Nation guest line to talk to Dr. Stephen Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center. Look, there's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope. Neuropathy and Pain Centers of Las Vegas offer genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Call their office today, 725-373-9879 to get you squared away, whether it's you, your wife, your loved one, a brother, an uncle. Uh, your grandparents, nobody has to live uh, in pain without relief. Uh, and the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas uh, offers at 725-373-9879. Dr. She- Stephen Shaw, thanks for joining us. How are you doing, my friend?
2: Hey, thank you, Vinny. Doing great. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. And uh, Dr. Shaw, spring is in the air um, as we speak, and that means baseball is right around the corner. And uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, with with because of the work stoppage, everything was ramped up with uh, spring training starting on a moment's notice and then getting ready for a season in a uh, condensed version. And the the uh, danger of pushing yourself a little bit too far was something that I think baseball players really had to be uh, aware of. Uh, and as we found out, Jacob deGrom, the great pitching ace for the uh, New York Mets, uh, developed a shoulder uh, issue um, shortly into spring training, and he was diagnosed with a stress reaction in his right uh, scapula. Now, it sounds bad, and it's going to keep him sidelined uh, for about four weeks, but according to reports, um, it's actually good news compared to what it could have been. Uh, first and foremost, um, what exactly is that injury entail? Uh, in, in from from I know that you are a chiropractor and you work on uh, other things, but I'm sure you have a little bit of knowledge <laughs> of what this might be.
2: Well yeah, anatomy is anatomy is anatomy. Right. So a lot of the same injuries just goes about how you go about treating them, but you know, it's a, it's a, to be honest with you, it's a little bit of a vague uh, description, a stress reaction. That could cover a lot of things. What we normally have that associated with is a stress fracture. Or, uh, you know, for example, vertebrae will have stress fractures. If there's too much compressive forces being placed on the vertebrae, they will compress and go from being three inches tall to two and a half inches tall. So that is one form of a stress reaction. The other type is what's called an avulsion. An avulsion is a stress reaction where the tendons as they attach to a piece of bone will literally take that chunk of bone off. Uh, if, if they're over um, uh, uh, too much pressure on, on the tendon, it will actually rip a piece of the bone off. That's called an avulsion. And that's likely what we're talking about for a pitcher because, you know, uh, a lot of people have probably heard of the rotator cuff. And that's C-U-F-F, not C-U-P. For some reason, patients want to call it a cup, But it's a cuff, and it's comprised of four individual uh, tendons that attach to muscles that innervate the shoulder. One of them helps you lift your shoulder, one of them helps you rotate your shoulder, and so on. So, you know, I would imagine with chronic repetitive motions and, you know, let's be honest, uh, your your average accountant is probably not going to suffer that kind of an injury because they just don't put that kind of stress and tension on those body parts. But guys who throw 100-mile-an-hour laser beams, you know, one after the other, that's going to eventually start to cause some, some undue per- stress and pressure over that scapula. So that's likely what we're talking about. And is, As you had mentioned, it, I, you know, all fractures, you, you know, uh, whether it's a long bone or a, a vertebrae, they all heal within four to six weeks. Uh, but what could have happened is one of those rotator cuff tendons could have ruptured and that would have been uh, the automatic surgery and automatic rehab, and right now we're looking at months before he can ever see the field again. So I think that's maybe where the thinking is at.
0: And here's the thing. Uh, Jacob DeGrom, and he's one of the best pitchers uh, in Major League Baseball, and I know fans just want to be able to see uh, somebody that good be out there uh, playing. Uh, but if you go back a few months or, or, or last season, he also had a low-grade tear of his UCL, um, which, which cut his season down uh, right in the middle of, or early uh, July, he didn't pitch from July uh, on because of that injury. Um, When you hear something like that, and then you hear of this injury, could it be um, related if he's maybe changing his
2: mechanics or trying to, um, you know. uh, That's a good, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. So the UCL is commonly uh, associated with a different type of injury that uh, uh, you and I may be familiar with back The old Tommy John surgery, right? Um, You know, they, that that it used to be if you got the Tommy John that was a career ender. Now with the advances in medicine and surgical techniques, they can get guys uh, better again. But yes, to answer the question, it certainly could have been a compensation if he's trying to avoid undue pressure on that inside portion of his elbow. Then he could that means that other body parts are having to to pick up the slack, so to speak. So he could be you know could have more pressure being placed over the supraspinatus tendon or the infraspinatus tendon, one of the rotator cuff tendons, in other words. We're talking
0: to Dr. Stephen Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center. Please give them a call, 725-373-9879. Uh, Dr. Shaw, as the weather continues to get warmer uh, and more and more people get active, uh, whether it's getting out on the tennis court or playing golf or whatever, uh, climbing or whatever, whatever the activity oh. might be, uh, the arm can be a uh, an area that cr- that uh, that de- develops some sort of pain uh, because of some of the activities uh, that that we do, uh, especially this time of year. Uh, what are some do's and don'ts from Doctor Shaw in terms of <laughs> trying to to mitigate, you know, maybe injuring yourself in that area?
2: Yeah, you know, so it's not just the weekend warriors. I mean, just earlier uh, this morning, I worked on a guy who had uh, just for for two decades have been using a computer mouse and now the uh two of his wrist bones are have been severely degenerated just from being in that, that constant chronic position. But yes, certainly the weekend warriors. I I I can't tell you how many people I see because they because of the kettlebells or how many people I see because of they slip and fall while hiking at Red Rock. Uh so you know I just use good common sense and uh, stretch out your muscles before you go get a good warm out warm up before you start anything rigorous. Uh, but if you do get injured, let us know early and don't wait. That's probably the key is uh, is getting on your injuries early and not allowing them to progress into something or blossom into something more profound. You
0: just mentioned um, uh, you know the the having the mouse and working on the computer and and the wrist injury and we all know that working at a computer, uh, depending on you know how many hours you're putting in per day over and over and over again uh, that would be probably a uh, a very ideal way unfortunately to to injure your arm and your wrists and your elbow and all those type of things um, are you seeing that more and more as we as we continue to get into that sort of world and occupation and people working um, in that in that way is that becoming more and more prevalent
2: yeah it it seems to be uh, you know more more people are, are are active and staying active for longer in longer years and later years. Or ma- the the majority of injuries that I see, I like to commonly refer to them as the ITIS brothers, and that's any uh, any condition ending with ITIS. That's uh, medical for inflammation of. So if you hear things like arthritis, arth means joint, and the arthritis means inflammation of the joint. So I see arthritis, tendonitis, and bursitis all day long, just from people overdoing it, not doing things correctly and wind up injuring themselves.
0: You know, and I know that you know uh, society sometimes and all the time wrongly, but sometimes has taught us just rub some dirt on it, you'll be okay. <laughs> Put some ice on it, or take. We a We might have
2: had the same coach, Vinny.
0: Yes, exactly. And uh, that's not the way to deal with 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 issues uh, because it's just going to prolong things and make things worse, for that matter. Um, if you're, when should they give you a call um, and and the neuropathy and pain center a, a call? Uh, if wherever it is on the arm, whether it's the wrist, fingers, elbow, shoulder, um, yeah. when it's becoming getting to that point where it's time to really call somebody and get this thing fixed.
2: Well, you know, pain is pain and that is subjective. I mean, what might be a, a 10 to you and I might be a two to somebody else. But I think once it starts to interfere with the function of that body part, for example, if you have wrist pain and uh, it slowly develops into you unable to use your wrists in a normal capacity, like driving a vehicle or buttoning your shirt or preparing meals once it becomes a a functional problem that's when it's time to go seek help and don't just you know hope that it goes away on its own because chances are it got that way due to some kind of permanent damage and it's better to figure it out you know there's an old saying that we use it's better to know than to not know so you come in and let us evaluate it x-ray it uh, mri it whatever we need to do diagnostically to figure out what the problem is so we can get you better faster
0: you heard Dr. Shaw if you're feeling any kind of discomfort uh, and it's and it's challenging your daily life and daily activities from the mundane to, you know, uh, whether you're out there trying to win a tournament in uh, the local tennis club, uh, give them a call, 725-373-9879. The days of dealing with pain just because that's the way uh, we used to do it are completely over. And at the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas, Uh, they have answers, they have uh, procedures, they have uh, ways to get you fixed up. And if they don't have the answers... I could promise you this: they're going to make sure that you get to somebody that does have the answers for you. Seven two five three seven three nine eight seven nine. Doctor Shaw, thanks so much for spending some time with us uh, today you, in honey. the huddle. Have a great, we'll check back with you uh, later this week. Uh, until then, have a great one, my, my friend. Go
2: Raiders, go Knights.
0: There you go, Doctor Stephen Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. 725-373-9879. three seven three nine eight seven nine. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila and Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty a.m. on a Monday interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Our thanks again to Dr. Stephen Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. Speaking of recovery and rehabilitation and getting back and getting healthy, how about Tiger Woods? Potentially playing in the Masters, uh, this week in Augusta, Georgia, had a practice round. I believe it was today, uh, looking at the pictures, and um, there were a lot of people out there uh, cheering on Tiger Woods and watching Tiger Woods. And, um, you know, I'm not a big golf guy, but I'm a huge Tiger Woods guy. Um, so, really hoping that uh, he can get out there. And what do you say? He's a game time decision? Is that uh, how Tiger Woods. Put yeah,
1: it, because he's got to go and see in the PGA Tour. They make no exceptions. You can't, you know, use a cart while right. on the tour. So, you know, I think that would be one of the bigger things is having to walk. Can all you walk it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember a few years ago there was somebody that had a uh, leg. Um, it was it was like a uh, somebody that was born with a leg issue, and uh, all the golfers were upset because they were going to – Give him, you know, he was born with something. It was like, you know, like, come on, you, he was going to need to use the cart. And they were like, no, we all have to. And it's like, it's not equal, though. You know, he'd, trust me, he'd rather be out there walking with you guys, but there's something going on and he can't. So there's, there's, I, I could understand why, you know, uh, this has to be because, you know, Tiger Woods was in an accident and everybody has to uh, walk it rather than uh, ride the cart. But if he can, Uh, at least even for a couple of rounds, you know, just to be able to get Tiger Woods back out, uh, you know, into the field and uh, in this tournament. And, boy, I'll tell you what, if he could pull it off, that would be just fantastic. Nobody started up uh, more than Tiger. And really nobody, to me anyway, has inspired more people to be golfers than Tiger Woods. And you look at the transformation um, in what golfers look like today today, Compared to what they looked like 30 years ago, 25 years ago, I mean, guys are actually lifting weights, <laughs> guys are uh, eating right, guys are there. Th- it's just, it's just a whole different vibe to golf now. And you see some tremendous athletes out there, and you see some guys that are just fit as a fiddle compared to 30 years ago when it looked like guys were, you know, drinking beer out there and smoking cigarettes and all that. Come on.
1: Also, you say like how health comes into play yeah. now, into play now. Also, science. Is oh, more course. important in golf than it was 30, 40 years ago. Bryson DeChambeau, where it's just the science of how can I get my driver far. The the unusual aspect of his game, where all of his clubs are the same length. Where analytics. These, yeah, these He's are. He's got things, analytics. Yes, in for golf. golf <laughs> where some people, I'm sure, like my old high school coach would wouldn't believe in any of that. Or it's just you practice and you get Did better. You, were you a golfer in high school? JV baby. All right, where'd so you guys play? Um, and Perump there's a nice course on um, mountain falls,
0: mountain falls. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's what we would practice there at the mountain falls. When golf I course, was a course.
0: young, uh, you know, when I, when I transitioned from public relations, which I did with the Lakers to, um, back to, to writing, uh, in, in newspapers, one of my first assignments for the Los Angeles daily news was covering high school golf. Right. And it used to just drive me nuts, Damon, because when high school kids are smarter than you are, you're just like, you know what, man? take that stick and whatever it was just i mean i it was actually kind of cool i used to tell people all this th- this all the time demon covering football high school football baseball basketball tennis whatever you you know every sport that they played uh, in the coverage area that i that i worked at i remember getting up and it was at a uh, a function that that the newspaper did to to really highlight all the great athletes in our coverage area for that particular year And I had to give a speech. And one thing I said was, you know, and this was like 20 years ago. And and I'll tell you what, Devon, I still feel this to this day. Every time people talk about the future and no oh, the future's in bad hands and all these kids and everything like that i would tell them i guess i see things a little bit differently because i get to work with kids in football and basketball and baseball that are committed that are diligent that are you know getting good grades and staying you know eligible and working and striving and setting goals and and uh, achieving them I don't know, but when I look, and I was telling this to a crowd that I was talking to, when I look out at this audience, I see a bright future for America and for the world uh, in general, not a bleak future. Yes, there's, you know, there's bad apples, of course, but when you, and I tell this to people all the time, it's not perfect. Sports aren't perfect. You're still going to have your bad eggs uh, in in sports, but by and large, demand. If you walk into a locker room in any sport, you're talking about high achievers. And I'm talking about even, you know, getting from high school to college, just playing on your high school football team sometimes. That takes commitment and teamwork and unselfishness and all the good traits that you're looking for, Um, you know, so you see that exemplified uh, a lot of times in sports. That's why to this – on social media, I get so mad at people – like coming at and going in on athletes all the time. When I'm thinking to myself, what have you ever really achieved? What have you done where to get to the top of your mountain? Like I'm not saying that everyone doesn't have a right to an opinion, Demond. But I mean, some of this when you when you look at some of these people criticizing, let's say a um, you know uh, pick any great NBA player, Kevin Durant.
1: Vinny, it sounds like you got some of that LeBron energy. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm after serious, when, like, after he lost that first final to the Mavericks. Well, the Heaton's is just like, oh man, everybody who's happy now still got to go back to your same old lives. Well, You're still
0: the same. It's not so much. Q4. It's like, yeah. It's not so much that. It's, it it's just that. It's just that. Like like they come, they get personal. I don't mind saying, hey, I'd, I'd rather root for the oh, Chicago. Oh, Chris Bulls. Long
1: had a had a big brew about that today. I'm um, son of what, former yes, Raider I love that Long. Dude. Yes. Um. So he was going after it with some members of Dolphins Twitter, and people are getting personal, talking about right. him and his dad. So he says to someone. Yes. Post a picture of your dad if you have one. Whoa. Also, a very good burn. Yes. But in the black community, a very sensitive subject. Oh, I didn't know you so, was... so Yes, exactly. So now he has to go back and he has to backtrack oh, and my apologize gosh. and delete the tweet. Well, but I'm not going to lie. Just on face value, that's a pretty good burn. It was a pretty <laughs> but, good burn. And he probably shouldn't have gone but there. But people, go, well, people get personal. They're attacking Chris Long. I, and they're yeah, like, his dad into it. Right. So, like, so he's coming out with the first good joke he's got back. And then it turns into... Uh, I like, yes, long the I can see. You know, uh, yeah. So
0: I could see how that can very, happen, but but it's more it's
1: more like when people get personal. You when you're at the stage, yes, a professional athlete or even on our level, gotta be above
0: it. You do have to be above it, but that doesn't mean you can't look at some of the some of the profiles of some of these people that are barking the loudest and screaming the loudest and going, dude. Have you looked at yourself in the mirror? Have you? What exactly do you do that you come off uh, as arrogantly as you as you come off? It's just, you know what I'm saying. It, especially when you know the commitment that it takes, wherever you are, whatever you do in life, where you get to the top of your profession, the work ethic that is required to get there, um, people don't quite understand. And I'm sorry, but you know when you when you hear the peanut gallery or see the peanut gallery coming after you know, uh, Kevin Durant or whoever it it might be, come on, man, check yourself a little bit. I didn't see that with Chris Long. Um, But how could you, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know exactly what the context was where they were. What was it? Why was, how did it
1: even start? Um, He was basically saying, you know, uh, Tua's not that good. Okay. And, you know, the, the contingency of Dolphins fans, they were on his head.
0: Do you think most Dolphin fans I, – I would think most Dolphin fans are still still a little – what do we really have here? Not
1: into Okay. Hey, I mean – but I'm saying no, 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 okay. every fan base has that. You could probably talk to someone in Jacksonville, and they're going to think, hey, Trevor Lawrence, I've been rocking with this team for yeah. darn near 20 years. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the one that takes us to the promised right, land. Right, but I mean like, – Or someone in Chicago thinking Justin Fields is going to be the best quarterback. Every every fan base has their diehards,
0: yeah, and you definitely can find them on Twitter with, without a doubt. But I would even the at this point, I would think even the hardcores are like, uh, you know, like a couple of years ago with the uh, with the Denver Broncos with um, Drew Locke. I think it was pretty pretty apparent early on that which way is this really going to go for Drew Locke. He doesn't look, uh, you know. There's there's some moments. I think the
1: first the first round um, price tag, let's just say that can skew. How you look at someone. Right. I think that that's all it takes. Where you say, Drew Locke, what was he, third or fourth round?
0: No, second round.
1: Se- oh, second. Even okay. second round. All right. I'll I tell think you the fact that Christian
0: a- Ponder, back in the day with the Minnesota Vikings, Whew. was drafted like 11th. For some reason, the Vikings fell in love with them. I still don't understand to this day. But I would say, you know, this is the 11th pick of the draft, the 10th pick of the draft. All right. And so obviously, if you're a Vikings fan, you have high hopes because you want it to work out. But it doesn't, it doesn't really ever take too long for you to figure out, oh, this could be – this could take a little while. This, there's no guarantee that this one is going to work out. Like Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, um, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. I'm naming guys that – oh, yeah, I get it. Game one, right? <laughs> How long did it take you for any of those guys to really know?
1: Oh, no, with those guys – it was more immediate like because even Lamar Jackson when he first got that start later on in the season I know that Joe Joe Flacco did most of the heavy lifting but it led him to the playoffs
0: yeah no Lamar I mean from the from the get-go you when when Lamar got his opportunity you're like okay this dude is this guy can play right here this guy can play and that's why I'm saying like even with Tua I like I even if I was a dolphins fan I'd be like ah I don't know yet we gotta I mean I think he's in a great opportunity right now because there's a lot of talent around him to really show one way or another. That's, that's the thing. You're going to know one way or another. I think Jalen Hurts fits into that category. I know he wasn't a first-round pick, but uh, I think there's skill, still a little skepticism whether or not he's the guy. But, you know, um, so, when you, so, so there's I – think, I think history has shown us that – I'll ask you this. How many of the guys that you're like, I don't know, ever turned out to be really good?
1: Um Eli Manning.
0: <laughs> oh, I thought that he was good. Yeah. Oh. He was just in a really that the Giants oh. were terrible. They were the okay, I mean think about it. They even were
1: even the even in the Super Bowl game, I thought he was a I don't know. I think he was I, I yeah, he's he's not one <laughs> of the all-time greats. Like, until it, that final Wilson, I think it was I don't know about Eli Manning. Really?
0: Yes. Uh I okay. Um anybody else? Because that guy's won <laughs> two Super Bowls. All right. He's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. So um anybody else that we that you were like really skeptical, like like you know like Christian Potter no um I'm trying to think of some guys that got opportunities and just they were they just weren't really that good uh we could go through a list I'm sure we could find a list someplace where like that's what I'm saying like most of the times we know and those guys work out and then the the ones that
1: you're like uh they don't, they just don't I'm trying to think of some. Are we just talking quarterbacks now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just quarterbacks. Yeah, let's I look at. Know. Okay, let's think of it right now.
0: Let's let's go through all of the. Uh, uh, um, let me think here. Um, Tribu- <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky i I never felt any kind of no, yes, he's gonna make it, you know what I'm saying, like I saw him against the Rams and the Rams threw four interceptions, I think in that game, and he still they barely won the game because he he threw three of them himself, so like no, you know no he was he was a guy that I was like, no, um, and it never and it never really really panned out like uh Josh Allen, to me, don't you think that you felt
1: oh, I know I think he was a. Heh. I don't know when he's really turned but it around.
0: Very quickly, yes, he did. This, by the second year, it was like, okay, this guy can play. It was the second year when he made a... And then the third year, he really made a, uh, a dramatic... But he was also pretty... Fi- I mean, he was still helping win games. He was figuring out ways to win games because he was a big, physical, running, rugged kind of a guy. Uh, so his team was winning, even though he wasn't always playing great. So let's take a look at where he made that huge jump. I want to say... They Changed coaches too, right? Didn't they? Uh, they made a coaching change and, and, and that helped. Uh, but yeah, it's usually when you think about it, we don't we can't think of them because these guys come and go as quickly as, as they get drafted and you get a look at them pretty early on. And uh, not many maybe Josh Allen is an example. Uh, okay,
1: the first year a little skeptical.
0: What was his record
1: five and six as a starter? I only started 11 games, okay. Win five and six, right? Second year. Ten and six. All right. So the, the team is winning.
0: He was okay or pretty good.
1: Oh, he was pretty good. He threw for um, twenty touchdowns, nine interceptions. But I still what was
0: the uh, completion percentage? I want to say it was low sixties.
1: Fifty-eight.
0: Yeah. There you go. The third year he, and that's when they got Stefan Diggs.
1: Yes, and that was the thing. That was the thing that turned it all around, getting him a premier wide receiver. Thirteen and three.
0: Yes, and his I think his completion percentage was probably I, I would say close to seventy percent.
1: Sixty-nine.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that was a dramatic jump. I don't know if we, we really see that very often where a guy that started out, uh eh, became great. Okay, here we go. Uh, Sam Darnold. All right? Sam Darnold, who was, I think, drafted ahead of Josh Johnson or Josh uh, Allen, right? He might have been, but he's, I don't Do you have any confidence that Sam Darnold is going to turn into anything good? I, I don't. Go ahead.
1: Oh, two quarterbacks drafted in front of him. Baker Mayfield, number one. There, there's Darnold, another one. Number
0: three. There's another one. Baker Mayfield was never, yes, we see it, right? And he's still, you know, not, where's his market, by the way? Where does that guy end up?
1: Somebody's I, backup
0: after this year. There, There's no way the Browns, they're going to pay him and pay. Um, well, they're
1: only playing Deshaun Watson, $1 million
0: yeah, well,
2: <laughs> on the
0: salary cap, they've given that they gave him a lot of money. trust me. you know, um here's something too to keep in mind. Uh, and this is why, as as we talked about last week with um with Peter King, you know, why that contract changes everything is when you guarantee two hundred and thirty million dollars, you got to put, I think one hundred and ninety million of that into escrow, like right now. Not many owners, believe it or not, can just flat out say, "Here's $190 million of the $200 that we have just laying around that we could put in an escrow account to vouch for it." So they've put some money away on, uh, is what I'm saying. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't see either how there's any way that Baker Mayfield could stay on that team. I just because the way that locker room would look and and how that, but he's a, an example of a guy that just never has turned the corner. And I'm wondering if Tua is going to fall into that category as well, which is why if I was a Dolphins fan, I would be up at night worried about that because they've got a lot of things in place uh, over in Miami. I'm just not so sure of the quarterback, but hey, if it works out, great for him. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Raider Nation, Radio 920 AM on a Monday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 a.m. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation. 20 a.m. on a Monday. You're in the huddle, Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and butter. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, and we are going to go to our weekly. We weren't here Friday because uh, of the uh, women's final four, and we're all about that. Uh, love that the uh, that the uh, ladies get their, uh, get their due and rightfully so. If you watch some of that basketball, by the way, and you can't figure out that there's some high-level basketball being played, Yeah, it's time for you to uh, go check your uh, basketball card because you don't know basketball. Uh, But because we couldn't get to it Friday, we're going to get to it today. It's the weekly mailbag. And uh, without further ado, Devon Cotton, uh, let's get to it. By the way, I do this for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. We do a a weekly Raiders mailbag on Fridays that publishes on Saturday. Uh, But because we get so many questions, I can't fit them all into the story. So um, we also use it here at Raider Nation Radio to answer Raider Nation's questions. Questions about the Raiders.
1: Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail! All right, Vinny, and here we go. It is mail time, courtesy of Blue's Clues. Love it. Who doesn't love Blue's Clues? As we get into... It's the until. black and
0: silver clues.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vinny, yes. here we go. This is from Gladson Steven, On Twitter, I keep hearing rumors of Waller being traded. Any idea if these rumors hold any weight? It would be a huge mistake to trade Waller away. I pray it's just rumors.
0: Uh, It is just rumors. And, uh, by the way, speaking of flaming those rumors, our guy Adam Hill uh, did a mock draft, uh, that published Sunday, uh, in the review journal. And he had the Raiders trading, uh, Darren Waller. So, uh, and then using the pick late in the first round to go draft a linebacker. And I'm like, an I ins- didn't, I, yeah, an outside linebacker, but I'm like, no, uh, That's not uh, a very good use of that asset. Uh, It is rumors right now, and it all started last week in Florida when um, Josh McDaniels, the Raiders head coach, talked about, hey, look, we don't have a first or second round pick uh, right now as presently uh, constructed. They traded those picks to get Devontae Adams, but there's always conversations and there's always a way to be able to trade back up. I thought he meant more the second round but maybe he's talking about you know late in the first round and uh, there's ways to get there. And Raider Nation and a lot of fans kind of took that, oh, they may trade Darren Waller for a first-round pick. I don't see it happening um, anytime soon. Look, Darren Waller is 30 years old. Demond Cotton, he's got two years left on his contract, roughly around $7 million for each of those two years. Is he underpaid? There's no question that he's underpaid. That is the contract that he signed. He signed it in the middle of... Toward the end of the 2019 season, kind of betting on himself um, or not betting on himself, but cashing in on the season that he was having and creating some security for himself. And at the time, you know, he was not an unknown quantity by that time. He was really kind of on his way. But uh, because the first part of his career, you know, uh, kind of went sideways a little bit, he was looking for some security. He got it but the payoff for that or the drawback from that is when it got into years 2 and 3 or 4 of that contract which is where we are right now it doesn't look so good so he's underpaid and i would expect that he wants a new contract and where that stands i don't know but from the raiders perspective devon he's a huge under um he's a he, he's a huge asset that right now they're getting at a bargain basement price and if you're a team you
1: you want to take advantage of that you know Oh, yes, but I'll be honest. He signed that deal in 2019. Right. I, I don't think that the market for tight ends has been reset drastically since then, has it? Or I don't know. Well, I guess we look have to look at the to guaranteed up-
0: contract, the guaranteed money. Here's, here's the way to do it look at his guaranteed money, which was, I think, $10 million. And oh, then- no, I'm still trying to look. Okay, uh, I, I want to say that it was a, for a, a fully guaranteed ten million dollars. Now, if he plays these next two years, obviously he gets fourteen million dollars uh, because he's going to make those the, the two years of that contract. But he's get he was guaranteed at the time of signing, I believe, ten million dollars. But double check that for me. Um, and then I'm going to look at Travis Kelsey, what he just what his um, contract guaranteed him when he just uh, signed it. So uh, keep that thought. Um,
1: Uh, as we look it up, but yeah, I don't think the, um, okay. Yes. His practical guaranteed was around $10 million and okay. Not as much as he would like.
0: Kelsey got $27 million in guarantees. That's, 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 you know, a lot more money. He signed, Kelsey signed a four year, uh, $57.25 million contract, uh, on August 14th, 2020. So roughly four or five months, six months after Darren signed his contract uh Darren's contract was guaranteed at 10 million dollars um Travis Kelsey was guaranteed at 27 million dollars uh, at the time of signing so and 20 20 million was guaranteed at the time of signing so double what Darren Waller got so that's how that's how you have to look at it it's not always just the years like how much he's making per year it's what the guarantees were so it's it's pretty drastic right there you know what i'm saying
1: Okay. Yes, because I now I'm looking at the top tens just when it comes to value according to SpoTrack. George Kittle number one at 75 million. Does it put uh, guarantees? Yes, but I'm just going by value. This is, both, just, but, this yeah, is but, what I'm going.
0: But by. also, but also uh, look at the guarantees. I'm, I'm curious. Is what I'm
1: uh, at signing or the practical guarantee? Uh, this is according both, to SpoTrack. Both. At George Kittle at signing 30 million dollars. Yes. 40 million practically guaranteed. So that's like quadruple. Yes, and Dallas yes. Goddard?
0: Yeah, from the Cowboys or the uh, Eagles. Eagles, that's right.
1: 35.
0: Guaranteed. Yes.
1: So if you're Remember Darren Andrews, Wal- 37. Yeah. John o. Smith in New England, 31. Cameron Brate, 18. And this is all guaranteed? Yes. Yeah.
0: So you Hunter do the— Henry, them- 25 million yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, that's what—that's uh, the big— that would be if I'm Darren Waller. That's the issue, is man. You know, but again, that was that's why he has a new agent. By the way, like he was looking for some security after, um, you know, a pretty good start to his re, you know revived career with the Raiders, and he, I think he was going to become an unrestricted free agent at the end of that year. So they they did the contract to beat the punch on that, but. You know, to me, I'm being honest here, if he had just waited a little bit longer, maybe he gets a little bit more of a guarantee. And that's not necessarily his fault, but he's following the advice of his agent. So, uh, you know, if you're the Raiders, you're getting a bargain basement huge probably top three tight end top two tight end depending on the day depending on the game i mean he's as good to me as a travis kelsey as effective as a travis kelsey uh and and a george kittle so uh definitely underpaid and i can understand why he would want a new contract and that probably leads to uh trade speculation
1: all right this is from tay on twitter are raiders front runners for either gilmore or honey badger
0: uh, I would not say that they are uh, front frontrunners. Uh, no. Uh, talking to Josh McDaniels in Florida this week, they did have some talks. It didn't really go anywhere with Stephon Gilmore. I don't necessarily see uh, the Honey Badger as a fit right now. Um, anything can happen, and the longer he's out there, the more the possibilities uh, grow. But uh, I don't necessarily see Honey Badger. Uh, Stefan Gilmore, I think, fits. But again, as we've talked about, Devon, uh, he's got an idea of what he should be paid. And I'm sure everyone in the league, including the Raiders, have an idea of what they feel he should be paid. And right now, that sweet spot has not been found. And um, until it does, they are in as strong a position as anybody
1: else. All right, from Javier Gonzalez on Twitter, what's your overall free agency grading? I'm going to say an A, but I'm not going to give it an A+
0: because I still think the offensive line is a little sketchy right now. So um, they just really haven't gone out to address it. Yes, they've brought some people back. Yes, you know, as as uh, a caller earlier uh, alluded to, you got to put your trust in Josh McDaniels and, and uh, Carmen, the new um, uh, offensive line coach. But as of right now, it doesn't look like it's improved much. It just looks like it's kind of stayed
1: pat. Okay, this is from Marco underscore 99. I'm concerned about these one-year deals all the defensive tackles they brought in are a one-year deal so is Rocky yasin at cornerback are we going to be dealing with the same year and we don't have top picks in next year's draft so basically the one-year deal should it be concerned are these players just on prove it deals who do they come back next year is it going to be another cycle with all the one-year deals
0: probably yes and um I think ideally what they want to do is get some young players into the system, much like Josh McDaniels was talking about getting a young player, uh, drafting a young quarterback to develop them over the course of time. I am sure that would be the plan at at the defensive line. Now, when you talk about last year's players that were on the one-year deals that phased out, that was almost um, a a, a bonus for the Raiders this year. I don't think that that was the thinking necessarily, but the fact that they had the flexibility – to be able to just completely revamp the defensive line in the um, for what Patrick Graham wants in his system, they actually caught a, caught a break in that regard, uh, DeMond, because they didn't have a bunch of players under contract that didn't fit the system. They were able to go get players that fit the system. So they that flexibility, because everyone was on a one-year contract, gave them the ability to say, okay, and nothing personal. To you know the guys that were here last year, but you don't quite fit with what we're trying to do now. So we're, we've got an empty room that we can go, uh, that, you know, bring players in. And from you know a lot of these guys, is uh, their perspective, yeah, they're on one year approval deals that they can work their way. And you don't expect any kind of a coaching change next year with the Raiders, right? It's going to be intact. Uh, although Patrick Graham's probably going to be a head coach here pretty soon. But if he returns and the same system returns. Um, the guys that are in the building now that are on one-year contracts can play themselves into bigger contracts moving forward. But as Jonathan Hankins has shown, I think this will be the at least the second year that he's on a one-year contract. So it's not ideal, but you know you get to a certain point in your career where that's, what's, that's what your market is. But again, ideally, I think the Raiders want to draft and develop some interior defensive lines so they're not always right, right, right.
1: All right, from Matt underscore Burger. What is your confidence level in the offense and defensive lines? Where do you expect them to add? Um, The
0: offensive line, I'm like, for both of them, except on the outside, obviously Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, uh, that speaks for itself. That's as good as it gets. The interior of the defensive line, um, it's an open book. They've signed a bunch of players. There's no doubt that they uh, have have done that. And and it seems like they've, again, signed guys uh, that kind of – reflect what they're what they're looking for in terms of Patrick uh, Graham the new defensive coordinator and we'll we'll the new the new guys are Bilal Nichols uh, is here Vernon Butler Andrew Billings and Kyler Pico and all those guys except for um except for Bilal they're all over 300 pounds and as jo- as Josh McDaniel said Typically, you're going to see a guy over the center um, on this defensive line. That's that's what their base defense is probably going to look like. You need Girth to be on top of the center, pushing them back uh, and trying to create havoc uh, there. And so, you need bigger bodies, and that's what they've gone out and got. It looks good on paper. It seems like everybody fits that profile, but we got to see when they get into games whether how effective that defensive line is going to be. But when the starting point from the outside is is uh, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, you're in business. The offensive line, again, open book. I don't know. Uh, You know that Colton Miller is going to be the left tackle. I think everything else is open for the taking, and it'll be a very competitive fight to figure out uh, who ends up carving out roles for themselves. And I I don't think that they're done on the offensive line. Uh, I do think that they're going to add a tackle at some point, whether it's in the draft or free agency, post-draft, undrafted free agency. Somewhere along the line, they're going to, I think, have to go out and get somebody that they feel can be the comfortable day one starter at right tackle.
1: All right, last one from Raiders 8113. The one question I have is Hunter Renfro, going to get an extension soon? I smart? Would, yeah, I would
0: think so. Um it'll be interesting to see what what the market is for a player of uh of of his ilk. You know, when when we get back uh, uh to or during the break, let's let's find some profiles that fit Hunter Renfro in what We're some of have those contracts
1: are. There is no more break. Oh,
0: there you go. Uh, which is, which we, we have our homework for tomorrow, uh, DeMond Cotton. I'm going to take a look at uh, what players that fit his profile uh, typically make and um, what that contract is going to look like. Uh, but there's no doubt that he deserves an extension. Derek Carr, I think, deserves an extension. Darren Waller, I can understand where he's coming from. Um, you know, he wants to maximize these next few years because you only have a few more uh, great years. In you when you when you get to that 30 mark you know it's it's you you need to maximize it and he got off to a late start we all understand that and now he's trying to recoup from that start um are the Raiders going to be willing to uh, to, to work with him in that regard? Uh, we'll see. You're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. I should say you've been in the huddle uh, with Vinnie Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM uh, on a Monday. Uh, look forward to uh, being back at it tomorrow. Got some announcements for Embajador Tequila. They're whole, whole hosting uh, their great uh, poker tournament um, over at Station Casinos uh, tomorrow. Um, we'll get all the information out to you. Uh, check it out uh, if you get a chance in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. <laughs> back.